and welcome to the Women X podcast. My name is Lilia and I'm one of the programmers and producers at the festival. In the run up to our fourth edition, we're bringing you lots of exciting content to get you in the mood for what's set to be a super weekend of screenings and events in September. Today, I'm really excited to be chatting to Anna Yari, director, writer and producer of the film Viragon Viragon, which screens as part of our Conversation Starter Strand. Viragon Viragon is an experimental short film inspired by folklore and heritage, focusing on the other and its reclamation of folklore. Interwoven with images and soundscapes from the past and present, the film highlights the beauty of craft, whilst recontextualizing traditional folk narratives to show the strength and the power of the often forgotten members of folk communities. Anna, welcome. Hello, nice for having me. <laughs> oh, we're so excited to have you. Thank you for your time. So we'll get stuck into questions and I want to get you a little bit warmed up first. So we're going to do three quick fire questions. So first of all, can you tell me your favourite film release of the year so far? I would say the new Spider-Man film. I know that's a little bit cheesy, but uh, I really enjoyed the the animation. I thought it was beautiful. So yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. An upcoming film that you're looking forward to? Well, I know it's been released already, but I'm watching it this Saturday. So I'm very excited to see Barbie. Uh, and uh, I'm yeah, very much looking forward to it. That is a great answer. We are all massive Barbie fans in Team RP. Uh, <laughs> and finally, if you could have dinner with three filmmakers, who would you pick? I would pick uh, Jodie Mack, Pippi Lottie Wrist and Greta Gerwig an incredible trio fantastic <laughs> so now we'll get stuck into you talking about yourself and the film so if you could get us started by talking about how you got into filmmaking and what your experience of the industry is so far so I think this is true for a lot of you know film people but uh I've I've always been interested in in cameras and how they worked and just the medium of of moving image has always been fascinating to me. I always thought of it as kind of a uh moving little paintings uh that that you can kind of manipulate and and tell feelings and thoughts and stories with. Um so it comes from from my childhood and then uh I I went to uh, university abroad. I'm originally from Hungary uh, and I studied in the UK. I, I did a film degree and throughout that experience, I kind of, you know, tried to explore what I'm really interested in within this, this industry, because it seems so scary, almost like such a big industry with so many different types of, of projects being made. And I found myself gravitating towards the, the more experimental route of filmmaking. And so I, I, I kind of, towards the end of my degree, I, that, that was very clear to me that, okay, this is the direction I'm going in. And to be honest, I, you know, despite loving film festivals and going to film festivals and and taking part in in this side of the industry, I don't even know if I consider myself sort of a a filmmaker per se because i I think i I use film as a medium uh, but but I think i'm I consider myself to be in a different sort of group as uh as as the film industry not sure what group that is I'm not even <laughs> sure if there's a label for it but uh but yeah so so I, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask about industry experience 
No, that's fantastic. And we'll sort of uh, get a little bit further into this sort of multidisciplinary nature of your work in a few questions time. But we've said that Viragom Viragom is obviously an experimental short inspired by folklore and heritage. But can you talk about the film in your own words and tell us where the idea came from and how it got made? Yeah, so uh, I mentioned that I, I was studying abroad and Weirdly enough, uh, and I'm saying weirdly enough because I, I didn't really expect it at the time uh, when I moved abroad, but uh, the physical distance between me and my home country brought up a lot of very sort of enigmatic feelings in me about my own heritage. And, and it made me interested and want to know more and kind of examine these things, uh, being being in a position where I'm almost an outsider looking in uh, to my own past, to my own uh, culture. And, and I found that I, I don't know how, how much you know about the, the current situation of Hungary politically. Uh, don't really want to go into that. But the, the, the point is that there's a very strong sort of right-leaning direction. And I think historically, the right always tends to use folklore and kind of uh these cultural symbols as as a, a way to push whatever agenda it is that they have and so this allows for a very singular interpretation of a folklore which you know in its core is is a very fluid thing uh and so i i felt like i i had this need this this urge to to explore more about about this and to maybe you know reinterpret certain traditions and and start a conversation or engage in a conversation that maybe creates a discourse that is a little bit more open uh than than what we're used to maybe with this this topic mm, yeah i think that's such a beautiful answer and like perfectly encapsulates why the film is as effective as it is because there's so much that you can get out of it and I think partly because you know with the experimental form like there's just so much room for interpretation and so much room for emotion um, and I think you just perfectly kind of captured its effect there that's that's beautiful thank you um, so obviously this is a student film as you said so your funding process will be a little bit different to some of the other films that we may have in the festival so can you chat to me a little bit about what it was like funding the film and how you went about sort of budgeting for the production so the the film was entirely crowdfunded and uh I I was a little bit nervous about it. Uh, I've done crowdfunders before but not sort of this important to me uh and thankfully by the time the campaign ended we we had 111% of the the funds collected. Wow. Uh so that was a very happy moment but you know with this in mind, it's a very, very low budget film. So it doesn't really compare to in in terms of the funds uh to to other films that might be in this competition or or other film festivals. And most of the funds went towards buying Super 8 film, uh, which can be quite expensive, mm -hmm. unfortunately, and costumes and things like that. But I think I, I've tried to be as, you know, sustainable as possible and get things secondhand and make things myself. So yeah, it's it's been a it's been a an interesting kind of challenge, but I, I'm I'm glad glad that it was a very intimate production in terms of the budget and 
other things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And kind of, I guess, following on for that in terms of be- being an intimate production, impressively, all of the main crew roles were kind of filled by yourself. So how did you go about managing your workload? And what did you learn about undertaking all of those different roles on solo? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So it, I think there's, you know, there's pros and cons to working in a solo team, especially when it comes to a film. I I can't lie, I definitely enjoy the the control <laughs> that, that one can have when when you're doing all of these elements and you oversee everything and and you know if something goes wrong, it's gonna be my fault. Uh but but I I feel like I can deal with it a lot better. With that being said, uh, the the film was made in collaboration with a lot of people. So my my partner, Joe Penn, who uh, is a wonderful musician and composer and writer and all those things, he helped a lot with the soundtrack and, and just sound editing in general. And, you know, I had production assistants, mostly just my friends <laughs> and, uh, and, and all the, the wonderful people, also my friends who, who were in the film, who performed and, and danced and, and just took part. So it, it was a small production and, and in terms of behind the, the camera roles, it was mostly just me, but, uh, there was a lot of people that I was collaborating with talking to um who influenced the the making of this film fantastic and did that sort of also carry across to when you were putting together your festival plan uh, did you have a lot of input from everyone or was that sort of down to yourself as well and if so what did you sort of learn from that process of submitting to festivals i think uh uh, I think I I'm still kind of learning this whole process, and uh, I I remember that during the sort of sales deck part of my degree, I I tried focusing on festivals that I I thought kind of fit elements of the film in one way or another, um, be it you know, the fact that they allowed experimental films or they focused on films with a sort of queer or or feminist narrative or or were open to films uh, that were maybe a little bit different than what you're used to from from a, a student production. Uh, so that was that was important. But uh, but there's been a few surprises. Uh, last October, I went to uh, Encounters and and that was a very sort of unexpected thing, both in the sense of getting there and also being there. I remember the screening that my film was in with with all these other student films. I, I definitely felt like sort of an odd oddball, <laughs> just um, with with all these you know BFI funded productions. But it, it felt nice. It, it was it was great to you know see that there is a a diverse you know collection of films that are being shown Mm -hmm. fantastic and I guess you know it it goes to show that there is no one right way to do a film you know you you may think that um you know you haven't done something exactly the same as someone else whose film is showing in the same program of yours but that doesn't mean that it's you know has any less merit or anything Um, so I guess that must be quite a learning experience as well yeah definitely definitely and also to you know not really there's no need to compare yourself mm. with other people uh, and vice versa. It's, you know, these these films, especially short films, they're so personal and they can be so, so 
vastly different from each other. Uh, and that's what makes them really fun and, and beautiful. Absolutely. Now, you kind of touched upon this, um, but your your film is shot with a mix of digital and Super 8. So what was that like shooting with Super 8? Was that something you were familiar with beforehand? Did you face many limitations apart from costs? Um, and what did you see as the sort of advantages of shooting on Super 8? I, I was familiar with Super 8 before, but uh, my experience with it was quite limited prior mm-hmm. to, to making the film. Um, I learned a lot from my supervisor and mentor, uh, Rachel Jones, who's an amazing filmmaker. And, uh, and you know, most of the things I know about Super 8, I, I learned from her. And so I, I shot the film and I also developed it myself, which oh, was... Wow a very interesting process and and sort of a really great exercise in learning to let go because you know at the end of the day you don't really have much control over what comes out and what doesn't and I I actually had an experience where uh, I had four rolls of film to develop and three out of those came out very beautifully just as I expected I was really happy and then one of them came out completely empty Uh, and, and, and it it was actually the first scene, uh, that I shot and it was just so disheartening to, to experience that because, well, obviously money down the drain, but that's just one element of it. It's Mm -hmm. also, you know, your, your work. And so it's difficult to kind of get through that element of shooting analog, but then, there comes the the sort of fun part, which is that, okay, now I have an empty roll of film. What do I do with it? And so I, I used some colorful markers and, and just put some kind of strips of, of color and then scanned it and, and included that in the film instead. So uh, there was kind of good that came out of it in the end. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And sticking on visuals, the film sort of seems to incorporate archival footage if I'm correct in thinking that so where did you kind of source this footage from how did you get a hold of it yeah so there's a, there's a few shots um from internet archives and uh kind of uh miscellaneous fork archives mm-hmm. uh it was a very strange process finding these videos and audio recordings as well some you know dating back more than a hundred years now uh and just hearing the voices of of these people uh obviously very very low quality recordings but but still it's um it was a really insane experience kind of like a weird sort of time travel almost that's so fascinating to hear because one thing that I really loved about your film is this sort of impossibility of placing it within a specific time zone. It feels like it could exist anywhere, anywhere and everywhere. So that's such an interesting piece of information to have alongside like that interpretation that I had of your film. That is absolutely fascinating to know. Yeah, it's it's interesting because actually I've I've had a few people uh, telling me that they didn't realize that there was archival footage at all oh, really? uh, because they it's I mean it's kind of hidden in between mm. so you know you can kind of make it out but um but I think maybe to an untrained eye it might just look like oh it's the same kind of footage as the other let's say super eight um so that's that's weird how kind of yeah time and and these different materials can change and and manipulate each other even yeah definitely 
and I guess sort of continuing on on the theme of sound you know as you say the soundscape is a major component of the film and and one of my favorite aspects actually I found it the most kind of moving so talk to me about the use of poetic narration that accompanies some of the moments and then the music and the song choices in the film as well so the the narration that's under the the second um kind of episode of mm-hmm. the film is a poem I wrote uh I wrote it in English and then translated it wrote it again in Hungarian uh and recorded both versions and then kind of mixed them in a way where you can't really make out just one of them uh and I I I never intended to put subtitles on the film because I I sort of wanted the narration to to be there sort of interwoven into the imagery and and the rest of the sound and in a way I guess it's a a slight sort of tongue in cheek part of it that if you're listening to it with headphones or or in a cinema with you know um, a good sound system still the only way you'll understand the whole of the poem is if you speak both English and Hungarian mm-hmm. um, because of the way the, the the text fades out or fades in and out. And I I think that was, um, I don't know, uh, not super consciously, but I, I wanted to reflect on the, the very strange sort of bilingual in-between state that I existed in at the time of being at university. That's lovely, yeah. And and what about the music as well that accompanies it? It seems like quite traditional folklore songs that are used as well. So the music is is um is also actually a mix of things. So Joe, who I've mentioned uh already, he composed the first song and then there's two archival recordings that I I mixed a little bit and modified and altered and and added sort of nature sounds as kind of percussion noises and things like that so there's there's kind of a, a mix of things and then it ends with the scene near the viaduct uh with with all the dancers and and that song is actually a song from this hungarian artist called uh, deva um and uh, she she uses folk motifs. She samples them and and creates electronic music with them. And it's really interesting because at the time of me reaching out to her uh, about using the song, she was sort of just before her her big break, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's been very strange to see you know her playing at these huge festivals. Um, at least in Hungary, I'm I'm sure you've not heard of her, <laughs> but it's it's interesting to see that that type of music and that kind of recycling and reworking of of old um, motifs, be it you know visual or or um, sound, uh, is somehow gaining popularity. Yeah, it's a really beautiful ending piece of music, and that's really interesting to hear about you know how it was created. The, the film can very much be deemed visual poetry, and I think you know we've we've kind of discussed that a little bit already. And it really celebrates this intersection of different art forms with this incredible textural aesthetic. So, talk to me about that creative choice and how you wanted the visuals to affect the viewer and their interpretation of the film. I've I've thought about this a lot, but I I think it's really difficult to put it into words in a way that makes sense because. 
though the making of this film has been very much research driven uh, and I've I've tried to you know meticulously plan out everything so that the fact that I'm working alone makes sense and I don't go completely insane um, but the 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 challenge was is that because of the nature of of the type of film there's no storyboards there's no you know shot list because it's more of a intuitive process and um, because of this the editing stage of it was also very um, intuitive I guess is is the word I would use Um, because I, I I felt like I had a lot of ideas I just didn't know how to nail it down so it was more of a trial and error trial and error and then boom that's 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 it that's that's what I wanted and um what you're mentioning the kind of layered look of it uh I I knew I wanted to incorporate that because um I I don't know I just I just found it really interesting that it's the whole thing is about this this kind of conversation with the past um and so the the materials that are being used in the film the the digital and the super eight and the archival they're they're all also enhancing this conversation in a way uh same with the music old instruments being used and then electronic music being or or you know ableton being used to mix all of it together it's um i i i thought it was really important to have the the materiality reflect the the whole theory behind it absolutely yeah and I think that that definitely comes across and it is such a emotionally impactful film and I think a lot of that is down to this very textural kind of experience that you have as a a viewer and a listener as well with kind of all of the techniques that you've used so that that's really beautiful thank you thank you um so to kind of close up, what are you working on next? Tell us what we can expect from you after this fantastic film. Um, so I'm I'm working on a lot of smaller projects, but the the sort of next big one is a project inspired by the story of my great grandmother. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a very personal story, but it's also a lot heavier and it's going to be a lot darker than than Viragon was because of the nature of, of this story. And I'm, I'm doing kind of a family search, but also investigating how a trauma that we don't even know what, what it is, but we know that there was a a traumatic event that happened, you know, many, many generations above is affecting this whole line of women. My, my mother, my, my grandmother, my great grandmother, you know, my, my sister and me, we're all having these, um, you know, feedings and, and responses to things that originate from, from something that was never resolved. And so it's a, it's kind of a healing process, almost Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out and somehow make it into a a piece of work. But I think in this case, it's, it's uh, rather than, you know, being one film it's probably going to be a bigger body of work just because there's so many things to to say and uh, yeah no fantastic that sounds incredibly exciting and powerful and I personally can't wait to see your journey in that and hopefully see the finished product soon thank Um, you 
Anna, thank you so much for chatting to me today about your absolutely stunning film. It's been a real pleasure and I'm really grateful for your incredible answers today and for being so generous with your time. Um, don't miss out on catching Virogram Virogram at Women X this year. Tickets to the festival are on sale now, so do join us from the 9th to the 10th of September at the Darlington Hippodrome. For lots more filmmaker chats and behind-the-scenes festival content, don't forget to subscribe to the Women X podcast across all major platforms and share your excitement for the programme with us on social media. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.